Oh, what's happening, everybody? Bob Wankel here alongside Anthony Sanfilippo. Fresh episode of Crossed Up for you today here on a Monday morning. I'm sure that's when you are listening to this. Phillies lose both games of a doubleheader, and they were absolutely murdered by the Atlanta Braves on Sunday afternoon at Citizens Bank Park. They were dominated in every facet of the game. And we're recording this late on Sunday night. I was at the park for all six and a half hours of that absolute misery. And Anthony, it is going to be up to you tonight. You are being tasked with being the positive one because, quite frankly, I don't have much good to say right now. So I have to be the positive one, which is a rarity, okay? I'm usually the negative guy. So if I'm going to be positive, Bob, this is, this is all I got. This is all I got for positivity. If Aaron Nola wins his game, his start tomorrow, or today, if you're listening to it on Monday, today, Monday, um, against the Atlanta Braves, then the Phillies will have gone eight games against the Yankees and the Braves, two very, very good teams, and will have split eight games with them going four and four. And I, I, coming off of a complete week off uh, because of the whole COVID debacle with the Marlins, if you said to me going into those, into those eight games – would you take four and four against the Yankees and the Braves? I'd say, heck yeah. Heck yeah. So the positive is they win tomorrow. We're okay going four and four against the Yankees and Braves. That said, I know where you're going to go tonight. I know that you're in a bad mood after being down at that park all day. I know you saw a lot of bad baseball today. Bad baseball. And God, I know you're going to want to address those things. And you're right to do so because there are some concerning aspects of this baseball team right now. All right. So, you know what? Let me, let me start with something positive, which is Jake Arietta, my guy, my guy, Jake Arietta in 2020. I'm telling you, I told you that he was going to come out and have something for him this year through two starts. Yankees, Braves, two good lineups has been very good for the Phillies. And I will say Saturday night, Everything was well in the world. You know, hey, we're 4-4. Four and four. Jake Arrieta gives you six shutout innings. First time since early August of 2018 that he didn't give up a run and a start. If he can solidify your rotation as a, a viable number three starter, you, you have to feel good about that, right? But I, I have to say this, and, and this is the thing that I just can't get over after today, and it just drives me insane. Forget Vince Velasquez, forget the bullpen, because, God, we could spend 30, 40 minutes talking about how inept this bullpen is and, and whose fault it is. It, it's, it's Matt Klintak's fault. We've talked about it before. The fact that he built this bullpen and thought that this could be a, a bullpen to, to complement a contending team is absolute insanity. But the offense today for me, the offense – Two runs in 14 innings, 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position across two games, all of these runners left on base. Like, I just, what the hell is going on? And that was the thing that I couldn't get over today. Like, is Vince Velasquez throwing 78 pitches in four innings or four-plus innings? Okay. You know, that's what I expect. Spencer Howard, Major League Baseball debut. He was okay. He showed glimpses you know and we'll get to this in more detail in a little bit but the thing that I couldn't get over was the ineptitude and the impotency of this lineup today and, and really 
save for a couple JT Rilamuto three-run homers over the past few nights, this offense hasn't done anything. Yeah, and that's that's a concern. And, you know, you, you, you're, you're couching it a little bit in the sense that you're saying this offense. And it's you're not wrong. I mean, this offense as a whole is it has not been good. But if you really want to look at it, I think we can break it down and find individuals who are really, really struggling. No, it wouldn't be hard to find them. It wouldn't be hard to find them. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not good on a lot of levels for a lot of players. So I don't know. Do you want to, do you want to take it one at a time? Yes. Yeah. We can start from the top. I have real concern. And I don't want to be concerned because I like him a lot. I think he's a heck of a ball player. But I just think that this knee injury has really adversely affected Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah, and, and you know what? And I will say this, and I, I want to reiterate this. When you consider what this team went through last week and they have their best pitcher on the mound Monday night, they are favored in this game. They should split this series. They should go 4-4 four and four between the Yankees and Braves series. And I'm willing to acknowledge that. And I would say that if you would have told me a, a week ago, if, if we talked last Monday, hey, these eight games, can the Phillies go four and four? Would you take that? I would have signed up for that. I would have. But, you know, after they get the win that they get on Saturday night, I thought today you had to at least come away with a split. I think anytime you go into a doubleheader, you feel like you, you should come away with a split. You should not be expected to, to lose both games of a doubleheader at home if you're a contending team, right? And, and I think that that's the one thing that I'm having a hard time getting over. But, yeah, I mean, if you want to go through this and you want to look at what ails the Phillies right now, and, again, we will talk about the bullpen, but I agree with you. You have to look at Andrew McCutcheon and – and, and here's what I'm kind of struggling with. If I weren't at or if I wasn't at those summer camp practices, if I, I didn't see the intra-squad games, I, I would say, well, this is completely expected. You know, how could you not anticipate him struggling even after the, the extra time coming back from this knee injury? But he looked okay to me in camp. Like, he ran, a well, uh, he ran around pretty well. He swung the bat pretty well. And now all of a sudden, though, it looks like – and I don't mean in terms of speed or losing a step, but at the plate, he just doesn't seem to have his legs underneath of him. I mean, and maybe that's not true. Maybe we're just looking at an ultra small sample size here, but at the end of the day, you have to look up and say, guy's hitting 133 going into Monday night with a 372 OPS. And that's cause for concern. And you have to ask yourself, at what point does the manager say, we can't hit this guy lead off anymore? Yeah. That, you know, I, that, I'm, I'm kind of there right now, at least temporarily, Bob. I mean, it, it gets late early in a 60-game season, right? There's only, there's only what, 50 games left now? Um, uh, yeah, I, I kind of think you need to try something else, at least temporarily, and, and see if maybe, you know, you drop him down. and You want to keep him in the lineup? I'm okay with that. Drop him down, see if he can figure it out, whatever. He's a veteran. He's been around for a long time. But he just looks not the same. Yeah, and I think, you have to, same. I think you have to keep him in the lineup. You're talking about a, a veteran leader, a guy that, that you are depending on. A, you can't quit on a guy after 10 games. Like it just That would be insane, even with a shortened right. season. And I don't know what kind of message that would send throughout the clubhouse either. But I, I will say this in his defense. He's hit some balls fairly hard, and, and you know, he hasn't been terribly lucky. And, and we can do all of that, but it, it is, at the end of the day, it's a results-oriented business, and – he hasn't done it. And, and to continue to hit him one is, is, is tough. And then 
the guy that I, I want to talk about, I think we need to have an honest conversation, is, is about Reese Hoskins. And I know that Reese Hoskins today worked a couple walks between both games. He was actually two for two in game two. He had half of the Phillies hits in game two. He hit some balls hard, exit Vila over 100 miles an hour. So there's like baby steps. There's like some good things here that we can sort of latch on to. But like you cannot have watched the Phillies for the past two weeks and said, this is a guy that is a, a core hitter in your lineup and, and you feel good about it. Like he just, like Reese Hoskins was two for two today. And you kind of just said, like, Okay, like he to me, it's what we've talked about in previous episodes. Everything is out in front. Everything is hooked. There's no trust in the hands. He's opening up too soon. He's a guy that's changed his stance. He's came back to, to his previous setup. Like to me, he's still a guy that's it's trying to find it. And I, I want to say that there's enough there. I want to say that there's a reason to believe that that he showed enough in the first half of 2019. He showed enough at parts of 2018, certainly when he came up as a rookie in 2017. There's something there, and you have to let it ride. But Andrew McCutcheon and Reese Hoskins won two in this lineup? It's not, it's not going to work. It's not working right now. Yeah, I mean, well, so uh, here's what I want to say. Um, I, I thought that his double tonight was the, his best swing of the year. And, yeah, he pulled it. Yeah, it was down the line. But it, it was reminiscent of – the other, the old Reese, right? And yeah, he did hit the ball hard a couple times, and he is getting on base at about a forty percent clip, right? I mean, so he's still doing that, which yeah. is so there is a benefit, right? There is a benefit with Reese Hoskins, but my biggest concern is here's a guy who broke onto the scene, setting records for home runs, who hasn't hit one in what close to it's got to be like hundred and fifty plate appearances now, or somewhere close to that, that he has not hit a home run. And I'm a little concerned about that. And you know me, I'm not a big, like, you know, I don't want everybody swinging for the fences. I'm, I'm a little bit of an old school mentality. I, I prefer guys to try and get hits. You know, if you get an opportunity to swing for, swing for a home run, okay, great. But it shouldn't be every time up. But when Reese Hoskins is considered one of your power hitters and he's not hitting for power, that's a concern for me. So there's something missing in his swing there. It depends how you want to look at it. The guy's hitting in the two-hole, and you say, well, what does a two-hole hitter do? He, he, get, he needs to get on base. He's, he's got to get on base and, and set the table for, for the middle of the lineup, and that's all fine and well, but the guy's a first baseman, and by trade, he's supposed to be a power hitter, and we can talk about the on-base percentage, which is fine. It's an adequate on-base percentage. But he's got a 670 OPS mm-hmm. as a first baseman. We're not talking about a middle infielder here. You know, this is a guy that's supposed to be cranking out well, in a 60-game season at least, you know, 15 homers for you. And, and right now, I think you have to wonder, is this guy going to hit double-digit home runs for you this year? And, and you will. don't see it. And it's not like we're no. getting misses here. We're not getting balls that are, are, are caught at the warning track or, oh, man, the wind brought that one back. Like, he just – I look at the patience and I, I look at his ability to track and work walks, but a lot of times his walks are born out of missed opportunities within an at-bat to do damage. You know, and, and I think that that's what you have to look at. Like, if your end result is, well, he's on first base and that's our – that's that's a win – I don't always think that's the case. When, when you get the 2-1 fastball, middle-middle, that you should be cranking 395 feet, and you take or you foul or you miss, and then three, pitch late, or three pitches later you're, you're trotting down to first base, like, that's not always a win for me, especially if you're counting on him for power. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I kind of keep coming back to with him. Like, should he be out of the lineup? No. 
does he have value? Yes. Do I think that there's still a good hitter somewhere within Reese Hoskins, you know, within that body of work? Yeah, I do. But I, I can't have him be the guy in front of Bryce Harper right now. And, and that's, that's my problem. And, and I just don't see a confident hitter. I see a guy that, that is surviving. I, I, when I look at Reese Hoskins, I see a guy that's surviving at bats and has really good plate discipline and, and can still maneuver his way on the base. And I acknowledge that that's a skill, but I don't know how you can watch Reese Hoskins right now and feel good about what you've seen from him through 10 games. No, I, there's nothing, there's nothing to feel good about. Um, I, I think you just said it. I mean, so here's the thing, Bob. So if you look at, all right, McCutcheon, Hoskins, they haven't been working at the top of the lineup. So if you want to say, all right, let's, let's re, rejigger the lineup a little bit, right, and figure out what, how to do it a little bit differently, maybe to try and get those two guys going. And you say, all right, we got to drop them down. Well, who the heck are you moving up? Because well, guess what? Because <laughs> guess what? The guys who you would think maybe, okay, we can move them up, aren't hitting either like yeah i mean gene Segura is next on my list and and let me we can get to him in a minute but it's it's interesting to me because like when i look at the phillies lineup and the way that you would you would sort it out in an ideal situation like do you have jt romuto actually hitting cleanup in in the ideal scenario for this team because i don't like i understand that there's pop and and you want to maybe come back after bryce harper hitting third as a lefty having you know, some right-handed pop behind them, but like JT Romuto in a, a championship lineup or a, a legitimate playoff contending lineup to me is not a cleanup hitter by trade. And, and he's gotten off to a great start and I have nothing bad to say about JT Romuto right now, but it's like this lineup that we just two weeks ago, and, and I'll put it on me because I think I was probably a little bit more bullish on this lineup than you were. I, I'm looking at it now and I'm going like, Jesus, they're, they're a guy or two short. And I thought that there was going to be a ton of firepower. Like we talked about on-base concerns, like Gregorius not being a big on-base guy, you know, Kingry not being a huge on-base guy, but just being so dangerous up and down the lineup. But that's not what this lineup is right now. It's like if Bryce Harper and JT Realmuto don't get it done for you, you're done, you know? <laughs> So you almost, and, and I know, I mean, I, I see what um, Girardi's doing and how he's trying to play platoon guys against lefties, right? So he's, so Bruce doesn't play against lefties. Gosselin does. Hazley doesn't play against lefties. Roman Quinn does. Um, so I kind of see what he's going there. But you almost have to consider uh, Adam Hazley against right-handers for the top of your lineup right now. And I don't think can, can that he's – Can I give you something? Can I just – Because I, I don't think – I think he's a fourth outfielder, Bob. I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to – yeah, I'm not trying to – but I'm saying right now, just for now, yeah. if you're going to move guys around, if you're going to slide McCutcheon down, if you're going to slide Hoskins down, against right-handers, I think you got to give Hazley a look near the top of the lineup just because no one else – who else you put up there? Segura and Kingery are just as bad, if not worse. I'm glad, I'm glad you said it the way that you said it because there's this thing that's been happening here since the start of the season. Like everyone loves Adam Hazley, and he's gotten off to a good start, especially when you compare his start to uh, some of the guys that you were counting on coming into the season. Like, so I'm not looking at a stat line and saying like he should be doing more or I'm disappointed. But when I watch Adam Hazley, like I just don't see what other people see. I, I see professional at bats. I see that he can work a count. 
But I don't see a dangerous hitter. I don't see a lot of upside. I just see what you said. I see a fourth outfielder who, if he has to play for you, you know, 60, 70% of the time, like you could do a lot worse than Adam Hazley, but he doesn't excite me. And I just, I, I listen to the radio and I, I, I take the, the pulse of the fans on Twitter and there's just all this love out there for Adam Hazley right now. And I just don't see it. He doesn't have gap power. They're just, just as a corner outfielder, which is what he is, because he's not a center fielder, there's just not enough upside for me to, to get excited about him. No, you, you shouldn't get excited. He is what he is. Um, but again, he's hitting right now. And Jay Bruce is hitting right now. So, like, I put, I put Jay Bruce in the middle of my lineup and Hazley at the top of the lineup and then slot McCutcheon and, and Hoskins in somewhere else and maybe see if you can kind of get it moving a little bit. I mean, that's, that's really the only options you have. And what other option do you have at this juncture? I mean, you have to do something. You watch two games against the Atlanta Braves today, and, you know, listen, it's a good team, but they've had substantial injuries to that starting rotation. The Phillies were 7 for 55 today across two games. It's a 121 batting average across mm-hmm. two baseball games. It's just – it's unacceptable, and – you know, we could dedicate a 35-minute rant to what we've gotten out of this bullpen to this point, and we may get there tonight, actually. That, that could be coming. But when I look at what the Phillies were supposed to be, like we go back three weeks ago, four weeks ago, three months ago, and we broke down the 2020 Phillies, we said this bullpen was going to be a problem. Like we expected this bullpen to do, maybe not to the extent, that, you know, how bad it's been. Maybe we didn't think that we were going to be this bad, but we knew this bullpen was going to stink. And, like, so to see this bullpen be awful isn't a revelation to me. Like, it was kind of all like, well, what, to me, it's like, well, what the hell did you expect? But when I looked at this baseball team, the reason for optimism was born out of the lineup and what this lineup was capable of doing. And now having watched it for two weeks, and I'm willing to concede, I, I, you know, we've done this in the past – it needs to be said again. We'll say it now to be fair. There's a disclaimer here. Taking a week off from baseball action as the rest of Major League Baseball marched forward, put the Phillies at a disadvantage, and that's fine. But at some point, we can't keep saying that. Like, we can't just keep going back to, well, you know, you know, they, they had a hit off a tee in their backyards or at the local Little League field because of the coronavirus. Like, at some point, you got to get in the box and get it done. And now, having been back for six, seven games – to me today, like, I'm not as forgiving as I would have been in the middle of last week. Like, the Yankees game, that Monday night, you know me, Anthony. Like, I'm a psycho. Like, they don't play well. I come in, and I, I want to hammer guys. I want to crush them. And I wrote the game story after last Monday night when they lost to Garrett Cole. And it was a game that I actually thought they could have won. I thought they ran into some bad luck in that game. I wrote a very – a very forgiving game story, you know, like kind of like, well, Hey, the cards were stacked against them, but I'm over that now. This is Atlanta Braves. You're at home. This is a team. You've got to make a statement against. And you, you go over nine with 13 runners left on base with runners in scoring position. You hit 122 today. You get embarrassed across two games. Ronald Acuna had five hits today. Three home runs, three home runs, five hits. The Phillies had seven hits combined. And you want me to come out here and, and make an excuse and talk about lack of rhythm? I can't do it tonight. No. No, you can't. You can't. The, the lineup, as bad as the bullpen is, 
as bad as the bullpen is, you can't score. I mean, you can't win if you don't score. If you score two runs in two games, you ain't winning. It's, it's it. I mean, uh, you know, so we can sit here and, and, and bitch all we want about the bullpen, and we will because this bullpen is a disaster. But you, you got to score runs. You got to get hits. You got to – the one – and what made it even worse, Bob, the one inning, Max Freed, I think he threw, what, nine pitches in, in, in an inning? Like, they're not, even, they're not even being selective. They're just going up there hacking. Yeah, and that's whatever. Like game, in that second game, they had one shot. I believe it was the sixth inning. Fifth Harper sixth came inning. up with the bases loaded. Yeah, Harper bases loaded, and that was really their only legit threat. I, they actually, I guess they had, they had a first and third in the first inning with one out and did not push a run across in the second game. But, you know, I, I come back to it, and I just look at it, and it was non-competitive. There was not a lot of pressure put on Max Freed in game two. The Braves more or less had a bullpen game in game one, and there was not a ton of pressure applied in that in that game. You know, in game one today, you had one for 16. The Phillies' one through six hitters were one for 16. And I'm supposed to get upset about Vince Velasquez? Like, and, and that's the thing, because I know what Vince Velasquez is. And, and to be honest with you, I didn't think Vince Velasquez pitched all that poorly today. His pace was terrible. He navigated through trouble in the second inning, loaded the bases through 27 pitches. Like, I didn't come away from Vince Velasquez's start feeling good about it, but I didn't pin the game one loss on Vince Velasquez either. I look at this lineup and said, well, again, two runs. And, and so for me, I think I'm going to take an alternative approach to what you're going to hear on Sports Talk Radio all day Monday, which is this bullpen, this bullpen which, again, we're both in agreement with. But I don't know how you watch the two games from the Phillies today and not come across or come away from it and say, this lineup stinks right now. Yeah. And, and, and then that leads us into who you wanted to talk about, which is Gene Segura. And Go ahead. Gene Segura, to me, you know, the idea of Gene Segura was great last year. When, when, he, first, when he first got here, you talk about a guy that – over 162 could get 200 hits for you spray the ball everywhere professional hitter you know great back control can can slap the ball through the hole you know give you a first a third he's the type of hitter he's a little bit of a throwback hitter right like we talk about launch angle now and guys are it's all or nothing feast or famine gene segura's a different type of hitter you can start a runner you can trust him and put the ball in play that's the idea of Gene Segura. That's what's supposed to make him good. Right now, he's lost. You know, how could you have how can you have five or six guys simultaneously just totally lost? And I don't want to make it about coaching staffs. I don't want to make it about Joe Dillon. I don't want to make it uh, you know, about Gabe Kapler and, and and the regime that was in here previously. Like, but at some point, I think it, it becomes pretty clear that. It's not about the coaching. It's about the players. And I look at Gene Segura right now, and I go, he stinks. Gene Segura stinks right now. Mm -hmm. he's, he's a below-average major league player, both offensively and defensively. And, again, this comes back to camp and being at camp and watching 16 summer camp practices. I watched Gene Segura in intra-squad scrimmages field the position very well. I watched him take infield very well. He looked good. We get out here in the games, and he stinks. Jesus Christ stinks right now. At what point? And I, I and I, I well, 
at what at what point you say ten games is not enough to pull somebody out like McCutcheon or whatever. And if if uh, if Segura is a professional hitter and a veteran, then maybe you need to give him more than ten games. But considering you have a prospect at that position, at what point do you consider bringing Alec Bohm in here and have him give it a shot? Because he can't be any worse than what Gene Segura is right now. But isn't that so Phillies? Isn't that so Phillies over the last 10 years? Isn't that so Phillies under Matt Klintak? Like, now we're going to bring up a kid who is – He's got a chance. Who's, who's got a chance to be a good baseball player, right? But this kid isn't Mike Schmidt. Like, he's not going to come up and solve all the Phillies' issues. But because the guys that they went out and signed in free agency aren't getting it done, because the guys that they tried to develop aren't getting it done, now we're going to put a kid who's – honestly, if, if Alec Bone came up and played this 60-game season, you know what I would expect his stat line to look like? 255. Eight home runs, 750 OPS. Like, that's what I think Alec Boehm is right now. Alec Boehm's not a superstar right now. He's not a, a – he doesn't have plus power as a corner infielder. And right now the Phillies have two corner infielders who fans have, have just checked out on. Like, they're like, well, Alec Boehm come, can come up and play first base. Or Alec Boehm can come up and play third base. Like, you're asking Alec Boehm to come up and be Nolan Arenado, and he's – I don't think – I'm sorry. I don't think that Alec Bohm is going to be an elite baseball player. And, and I know that that probably is going to piss off or upset the people that are listening to the show because it's like this is what we do. When, when what's in front of you isn't good enough, you always hope what's coming up is going to be. But Alec Bohm's not a difference maker. Like he's not going to – at least in 2020, Alec Bohm is not going to be – the thing that makes the Phillies a legit contender in the National League. And if you're hoping for that fan out there, I've got news for you. It's not happening. If Gene Segura was hitting 255 and giving me a 750 OPS, <laughs> yeah. we wouldn't be having this conversation, Bob. No, you're right. And 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 right. listen, and, and listen, I'm not suggesting that Al Bohm won't be a good player or wouldn't be an upgrade over what we're getting out of Gene Segura right now. I'm not I'm not trying to say that, but I think that this is what happens. Like, we saw this today with Spencer Howard. Nolan Ryan didn't make his major league debut today. Right. Spencer Howard is a kid that has a plus fastball. He's, he's got a good feel for pitching. Nice changeup. He can work in that slider cutter. He's a good pitcher. This kid's got a chance to be a, a very nice piece of the Phillies rotation. But the Phillies didn't call up Cole Hamels today. Mm-hmm. That's not what he is. Spencer Howard's ceiling is like a 2-3 starter in this rotation, and I think he's got a chance to be a really good pitcher. I love his makeup. I think that his head's on right. I do think that he has advanced off-speed stuff. We saw today 11 swings and misses on off-speed pitches. Kid's got a shot to be really good. But we all did this. We did this thing today like, here comes the future. Spencer Howard's here. If the Phillies would have called up, and I was guilty of this, I've said stuff like this, like, well, Spencer, if this team was serious about winning in 2020, Spencer Howard would be here from day one. You tell me Spencer Howard's really a difference with this team right now? Like, I think that his second start and his third start, whenever those starts may be, I don't know if, if he's going to start five days from now. Like, I'm in on Spencer Howard, but, like, that's what we do. We create these expectations because what we have in front of us is so lackluster. We see Nick Pavetta and Vince Velasquez enough. 
and then we just hope to God that what's about to replace those guys is is going to be all star caliber. And it's just it's not yet. He's not that yet. Right. He's not he's not a top five prospect in baseball. So, you know, that's that's what I wonder about with Alec Bone. Like now are we going to get a decent player? but feel underwhelmed by it because Reese Hoskins stinks right now and because Gene Segura looks like he's 46 years old. I mean, Gene Segura looks like he's swinging a three-pound bat right now. What's wrong with being 46 years old? Are you, are you 46 on the dot? <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with being 46 years old except if you're playing third base for the Philadelphia Phillies. Then That's when there's something wrong. So that's what I look at, and – you know, D.D. Gregorius gets off to a great start in the, in the opening series, and then all of a sudden, you know, you look at him, and you go, oh, he's, not, he's not really getting it done right now. And, like, is, is he a five-hitter? Like, he, he's hit fifth for this team a lot. And you go, like, is D.D. Gregorius a five-hitter? Mm-hmm. No, he's not. Yeah. Well, he's, he's okay. Never- I mean, see, D.D.'s okay. I mean, he's okay. No, he's been fine. He's hitting 265 with a 750 OPS, and in this lineup, that's like Mickey Mantle. But <laughs> – yeah, no, he's. I think he's a six hitter. That's probably where he belongs yeah, in that six spot, that's right? Fine. That's probably where he belongs, and and that's and Girardi's batting him there against lefties, and and you know he's batting him a little bit higher against righties because he doesn't really have another alternative at this point. But uh, yeah, Bob, it's it's concerning. It's really concerning, and it's even more concerning because Major League Baseball expanded the playoffs so that eight teams. From the National League, also the American, but eight teams from the National League can make the playoffs. We were sitting here prior to their expansion when they were only going to have five teams in and said, hey, you know, the Phillies will be right in that mix. They'll be, uh, be in there battling for the, you know, probably one of the wild cards. You even were gung-ho enough to think that they might have a shot to win the division. Yeah, which- well, and you know what? And that was before Mike Soroka got hurt. Yeah. You know, and and I look at this and I think that that's the thing that disappoints me the most about this weekend is that they didn't see Mike Soroka. They didn't get Cole Hamels. Like they they're not getting the Braves starting rotation. They're not getting Mike Fultonevich. Like they didn't get the Braves starting rotation that was was what was projected to be a month ago. Right. You know? And and that's where I go and and that does kind of give me and like let's just reset here like now that I like you gotta understand, I watched that for seven hours today. Like I, it was mind numbing watching that baseball. It was just terrible. But if if we pump the brakes and we reset here, like the Phillies are four and six through ten games, they're a one forty favorite over the Braves on Monday night. They split this series. They're five and six. They're a couple games out. There's plenty of baseball left. Guys that are supposed to be playing better than they are right now across the board should have some type of positive regression. The Phillies aren't out of this. They're not out of the postseason. They could still win the NL East. Like, it was just a really bad day. If we would have recorded this 24 hours earlier after Jake Arrieta looked like a number two starter, we might have had a very different conversation. But we watched two horrible baseball games, and it does sort of set the tone for what we need to talk about tonight. I'm not giving up on the Phillies, but you are right. We're talking about an expanded playoff field, and we can't say with any definitive certainty right now that we're going to see these guys play beyond September 27th. And if you have eight National League teams in the postseason, 
And the Phillies don't make the postseason in light of what they've invested in terms of a financial commitment into this roster. Boy, oh boy. You know, we've had this conversation. I talked about it with Megan Montemurro of The Athletic last week. How do you evaluate a baseball team in the midst of a pandemic? Is it fair to criticize players as they're being tested and worried about their, their own health and the health of their families? And I do think that, again, there's a human element to all of this that you have to at least acknowledge and kind of just occasionally say, hey, you know, it is a little different this year, but I look at this and it, you know, the one thing I've been consistent about for the last three years is, as we've done this show, because you and I started doing this show at the beginning of the 2018 season when they first hired Gabe Kapler, mm-hmm. the general manager is not good. He's not good enough. He has not given the Phillies the, the adequate return on investment. John Middleton has is, is not a perfect owner. He, he has made mistakes, I think. Um, I do wonder, you know, when you say, like, I, I'll do anything to get my effing trophy back, I, I sometimes do question if that's really true because they're not over the luxury tax. They, didn't, they, did not, they clearly did not want to go over that heading into this season. But considering the financial investments that this team has made, this looks like a 500 team to me. This looks like a 30 and 30 team. At what point? Isn't that what they were the last two years? It's what they were the last two years. <laughs> two games under 500 in two years with Gabe Kapler. And I'm not yeah. pinning this on Joe Girardi, who, by the way, like, if we're, if we're being honest, because I think Joe Girardi's the right guy for this team. And, like, I like Joe Girardi, and he certainly has the clout. He hasn't been great through 10 games. Like, he's been great, I think, in the way that he's kept the team together, that, that this has been a, a disastrous start away from the field. And I think that Joe Girardi is, is, brings a stabilizing presence to things. But in terms of on-field, in-game decisions, like, I could, we could pick apart Joe Girardi if you wanted to right now. I don't think it's fair to do in 10 games in light of the context of this season. But – you know, one thing that we heard was like, well, the feel for the bullpen. He's got such a feel for the bullpen. Well, the first guy that Joe Girardi goes to out of the bullpen in pretty much every game is an unmitigated disaster. Mm-hmm. Now, when we do the, the blame game power rankings, I'm, I'm going to always put Matt Clintack at the top of that. But at some point, you got to guess right. You got seven, eight guys out there. You got you to guess right occasionally. And he hasn't really done that. Yeah, I, well... <laughs> Who in the bullpen has pitched well? I well mean- so, so here's my thought, and, and this, is, this is just a, a thing for me. <laughs> you got to go to your, your more high-leverage, better arms earlier in the game. You yeah. know, I, I, don't, I don't ever want to see Diolis Guerra come into a game that is in question. And I know he had a couple decent outings mixed in here, but, like, Diolis Guerra is not a guy that, that should be entering a, 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 a game with a lead or a 1-1 game, or a game where you're down a run in the fifth or sixth inning. Like, you need bridge guys. I don't think the Phillies have them. But you can't save all of your high-leverage guys for the late seventh, eighth innings if you're going to trot out Dios Guerra and Cole Irvin. And, you know, just... Well, the, the other thing, Bob, is, is that 
especially so in these double headers. We're seeing these guys. You you only have to relieve two innings, two two and a third. Like, why are we not getting the high leverage guys in these in these spots? You know, like. Yeah, I, I think that that's a that's a fair, a very fair question. You know, I look at, I I just look at the way that it goes, and you, you take Vince Velasquez out. Like, let's go back to game one today, for instance, right? You take Vince Velasquez out, he gives up the the single, and you go to Diolscare. Okay, and that's that's all fine and well, but I, I I tweeted this out after the game. The first relievers out of the Phillies bullpen this season. This was before game two. Had given up 16 earned runs and recorded 17 outs. The first guy out of the Phillies bullpen has given up 16 earned runs and has gotten 17 outs this season. That was after game one. In game two, the reliever didn't give up an earned run, but he gave up an inherited run. Mm -hmm. At some point, Everyone deserves a little blame. Like, I have a hard time blaming Austin Davis. <laughs> Austin Davis isn't a major league pitcher. It's like, it's like me going out and trying to pitch the sixth inning today against the Braves. Like, I'm not going to do well. You know why? Because I stink. Because <laughs> I'm not a major league pitcher. Right. And neither is Austin Davis. So, I'm not going to get upset at Austin Davis – but I'm going to be upset at the general manager that has given me Austin Davis. And I have to be a little bit critical of, of the manager that's going to that guy in that spot. And I know it wasn't Austin Davis that I believe it was what Trevor Kelly in game Trevor two, Kelly right? gave up the double. Yeah. In game Trevor two. Kelly gave up the double in game two and deals Gary implodes in, in game one. They're today's culprits, but it's, it's like a rotating cast of characters, you know? And, I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't look at Joe Girardi and say Joe, Joe Girardi's cost the Phillies two games that they should have won. Like, I don't believe that Joe Girardi's costing the Phillies wins right now, but you know, I got to say, I didn't believe that Gabe Kapler was costing the Phillies wins last year because my, my thesis all along is that the architect of this team built a flawed team. Mm-hmm. And so I don't care who the hell your manager is. I don't care if it's, Bobby Cox, you know, I don't care if it's Joe Torrey, like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're calling on Trevor Kelly and Dios Guerra. What the hell is Dios Guerra doing here? I, I don't, I don't understand. I, I just, there's no upside. You're a 31 year old guy. He stinks. I don't understand. Bob, I just don't understand this. I don't understand. It's, it was bad enough when we saw all the transactions. I remember talking with you in the off season. Reggie McLean. We were rolling out all these relievers. Like, look at what he's bringing in. And, like, we were kind of laughing about it and thinking, all right, maybe they have some internal guys that they think are going to be ready to take the next step, and these guys are just there as, you know, just in case or an emergency situation kind of situation. And yet, and yet here we are, and they're the guys that they went – that they're going with. And can I just say this? <laughs> can I just say this? This is not – if you're listening to this, this, this is not – Two guys that are fans that are upset. I, I, I have talked to people both associated with the organization as in currently work for, and then people that, are, that I would consider to be sharp baseball people that are close to this organization that have told me 
that this bullpen is laughable. That the, the construction of this bullpen was never going to work. That they never understood what the thought process was behind the assembly of this bullpen. So this isn't just like you and me saying, I told you so. Or like if you go back and listen to our January podcast when we talked yeah. about the bullpen, we were right. Like that's – I'm not trying to go rush joy here. You know, I, I'm <laughs> – you laugh because you know this is true. This isn't about patting ourselves on the ass. This is about just saying that there are a lot of smart baseball people that have an affiliation in some capacity with this team saying that this, this bullpen is a joke. Bob, 30 innings the bullpen has pitched this year and has given up 53 base runners. That's, that's, that's insane. Think about that. Think about that. That's insane. insanity. And, and you know what? I've asked, I've asked Joe Girardi directly about this. I've said, hey, you know, like at what point, like how do you try to reset this bullpen? How do you stay positive? What do you think? And I, other reporters have asked this. And, and Joe is right in the sense that he says, listen, we were off for a week. It's hard to get into a rhythm. Like Tommy Hunter had an awful outing on – I want to say Wednesday night when Aaron Nola pitched, right? Yep, Didn't Tommy yep. Hunter relieve Aaron Nola? And he was a mess. I think five hitters. I believe he allowed all five guys to reach base. He was a disaster. And then he came in and, and he came back and pitched, I guess, on what? Um, Friday night? No, yeah. not Friday night. They were rained out last night. Uh, yeah, so last Saturday night. night. Yep. And he was good. And he looked good. And, like, so, you know, there's some volatility with relievers. One night you're not, you don't have it. The next night you might. His velocity was back up after it was down on Wednesday. You got to understand that they had, they had been on ice for a week. We're only a few games into the season. And, like, so what Joe Girardi is saying is correct. Like, I, I wouldn't fault him for saying that. Really, honestly, what else is he going to say? Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that this is not a bullpen that has a, a, a pristine track record that is just off to a shaky start. Like, we're not talking about elite-level arms that have had a rocky five or six games. We're talking about guys that, that were questionable major league pitchers to begin with that aren't performing well and that have not performed well in the past. And so that's kind of my, my retort is that, yes, you're right. Last week was a mess. They haven't gotten consistent work. They're only one or two appearances in. This is all true. But there's really no reason to believe that all of a the sudden they're going to morph into competent major league relievers because they've never been. Right. Outside of Hector Naris, who, by the way, isn't it amazing that Hector Naris, because I think if you went back and listened to some of our podcasts from the middle of 2018, I mean, Hector Naris was sent to the minor leagues twice in June of 2018. He had an ERA over 10 in June of 2018. He was a guy that we were like, we, it's time to move on. There's some talent here, but he stinks. And then he figured it out. But, like, that's, that's the guy right now. Like, Hector Naris is this team's stopper. He's, he's the guy. And, like, he's a good reliever. I like Hector Naris probably more than most people. But, like, he, is he elite? No. No. And, and that's what we're talking about here. I mean, we've, we've now made Hector Naris – Hector Naris is like, you know, 2001 Mariano Rivera at this point, you know, for, for in this bullpen. And, how, and that's how can, something. How can it be that no one else in their player pool is, is better than what they got here? Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I, I think that 
there may be guys in that player pool. Like, like let's see Connor Brogdon at this point. You yeah. know, like there are guys that are out in league. And I know he's right not on the 40 man. You'd have to make him. You, know, you have to make a move. Man. But like, yeah, here's the thing about the 40 man. When you're protecting valuable players on the 40 man, that's one thing. But there are guys on this 40 man roster that, okay, thanks. Thanks for the memories. Yeah. Like, there are, there are certain players on this 40 man roster that you you need not protect. Right. Like this entire bullpen. <laughs> so, you know, and and that's that's kind of where I come down. Oh, oh my god, are, are we are we going to risk losing Dios Guerra? Yeah. You know, and that's that's where I I sort of come back to. So I just when I look at this and I look at the numbers and you talk about 30 innings and 53 base runners and I talk about 17 outs and 16 earned runs, you know, from the first guy out of the pen, comes back to the general manager. And I know this is this is a less than ideal situation. It's a less than ideal season. I know that it is difficult to evaluate managers, players, people that are in charge of, of building rosters. I get that. I do. But you go back to 2016, 2017, when this team was holding open tryouts, essentially. Somebody please take a spot. Surprise us. Yeah. Well, let me ask you about a few. This team, you know, he just, he didn't find those guys. Let me ask you about a few names because, again, this is, and I know that I'm talking about guys that are just that are also just guys, but they I think I think they have to be better than what's here right now. Uh, just from a veteran perspective, and he pitched okay for the Phillies last year when he was here, 25 innings. Blake Parker, he's in the player pool. Yeah, I mean, listen, Blake Blake Parker came into games last year, and I said. This is what we're doing. We're doing Blake Parker in the eighth of a tie game in a, yeah. in a wild card chase. And I wasn't overly excited about it, but like, yeah, right now comparatively, like, yeah, show me Blake Parker. He had a couple, he had a couple outings in these summer camp games, these intra squad games where he threw the ball really well, you know. And and so yeah, sure, why not? Like, let's uh, let's see it. Where, you know, where's where's Victor Arano at at this point? Yeah, Victor Arano is working his way back. Uh, there was uh, some issues with him. The team wasn't overly specific uh, with what was going on there. But from, from what I gather, Victor Arano is a couple weeks out, but you, you may see him uh, in the near future. Uh, same thing, Ranger, Ranger Suarez. Is, I was going to ask of, that. He was the next name. I was yeah, Ranger, Ranger Suarez, and I, I don't want to say this definitively because the team didn't say it, but – I believe that COVID-19 impacted Ranger Suarez and, and uh, put him off schedule. And I don't know in what way uh, COVID-19 impacted him, but uh, yeah, I believe that it delayed him. Yeah, well, I'm a little surprised, Bob. I mean, and I get that. And, I, you know, we all kind of figured that that's what it was because when it's undisclosed, an undisclosed injury obviously doesn't want to talk about it. It's, you know, we're, talk, we're probably at COVID at that point. But if, if memory serves, wasn't he one of the guys when it first broke out when they were in Florida? And wasn't that in June? Is it really take this long to come back from a, you know, you're, you're sick and then you have to be isolated for two weeks? It takes that long to get back? Like, that's uh, listen, what I don't, I don't, that's what I don't, I don't know. understand. You know, I don't, I, I don't know. You know, and, and that's the thing. I don't, and I don't want to, 
I don't want to speculate. I don't, I don't right. know. I've just, I've kind of gotten the sense talking to some people that, that, uh, he was slow to rebound or, okay. or whatever the circumstance, uh, let me just say this, whatever the circumstances were surrounding that it, it has caused a slow rebound, I think is the, the best way to say it. So again, like, will we see him at some point? I don't know. Joe Girardi, somebody asked about, uh, David Robertson the other day, like, He's like, we may see him at some point, you know, well, but I'm not, count, I'm not counting on it. Yeah. I mean, didn't so, he, have, he, had, he had Tommy John, what, August of last year? Yeah, so we're almost about a year out from that yeah. now. And, uh, you know, I, again, to, to your point, yeah, what, what is in Lehigh Valley right now? Could it be any worse? And I, I don't know, <laughs> you know, but th- that's the thing. There's not – I don't think that there's a guy out there that is going to come in and – at least based on talent, maybe he just gets lucky for six or seven games consecutively. But I don't think that there's a, a guy that comes in and just solves the, the Phillies bullpen problems. No. And then in a normal year, you go, okay, well, if you have a good team around, you know, if you have a good lineup and you like your rotation, then you added the trade deadline. But here we are and we're, oh, I don't know, what, 22 days out from the trade deadline right now? And, you know, again, if you talk about that, number one, you're going to need guys like Scott Kingery, Reese Hoskins, Andrew McCutcheon, Gene Segura, you know, half your lineup to to play a lot better than they have through 10 games to even consider doing something where you add at the trade deadline. And, again, it comes back to now with the expanded playoffs, how many teams are really going to be in a position to want to sell off their players, you know? That creates an entirely different, comp, uh, you know, complication. So I just don't know how much the Phillies would be able to add that would make a meaningful difference down the stretch that would maybe rectify some of the issues uh, that this team's dealing with right now. And and I guess I, if I step back now that we've had this conversation, we talked about the bullpen, we talked about the lineup woes. You know, the one thing I feel kind of good about right now, which is sort of surprising, is the starting rotation. Mm-hmm. You know, outside of the first Vince Velasquez start against the Marlins in the opening series, you have gotten a competitive start from pretty much every guy in this rotation. And, and we haven't talked about him yet. We can get to Spencer Howard's debut in a minute. It wasn't great. But for the most part, the Phillies have gotten competitive outings from their starting pitching staff. And, and, if there's anything to feel good about right now as we have this conversation, it's probably that. Yeah, I mean, they're not the Cleveland Indians. <laughs> but, I mean, no. what the Indians are doing is, is historical at this point. But, um, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, Nola's pitched well. Wheeler's pitched well. Arietta's pitched well. Eflin gave you a good start. Velasquez was okay today. Howard was, you know, his debut was – a rookie debut. I mean, it was what it what it was. Kind of, you know, what we kind of expected. But they they've been excellent, as far as I'm concerned. Like that's been the the big the brightest spot of the Phillies so far through ten games has been their starting pitcher. Yeah, and I was specifically encouraged by Zach Eflin against the Yankees. And I know he didn't get too deep into the game, but again, we're talking about a guy that was making his first start of the season. He, to me, was a guy last year that just simply didn't buy in. And, and you know, you talk about his body feeling heavy, and there's always seems to be an injury issue. And even in camp this year, there was back, back tightness, back spasms. There always seems to be some type of physical ailment. But I believe that, that 
Jake Arietta specifically, and I know that that sounds kind of weird, especially as a veteran guy, former Cy Young, but Arietta and Eflin specifically, I think last year and, and, and dealing with Chris Young just simply did not buy the message at all. And I think that there is a, a trust factor with Brian Price where those two guys stood to benefit the most from a, a change. And I just feel like that there's more of a belief in, in the, the process. I think that there's more of a belief in the teachings. And I asked Zach Eflin about it after the game on Thursday night. I said, hey, you know, listen, I looked at your, your pitch chart. I, I pulled up on StatCast, the 3D visualization. Get all nerd on you here for a second. Mm-hmm. I said, it looks like you threw three balls at the top of the zone the entire night, over 70-plus pitches. Was that by design? Because last year we heard all about how you were going to start using the upper half, upper third of the strike zone, high fastball, generate more swings and misses. He says, yeah, it was great to get back to basics. It was great to get back to doing what I do. And you know this, regardless of the sport or or your job, your profession, if you believe in management, if you believe in the direction in what you're being told to do, you're going to do a better job because of it. And I believe that Zach Eflin feels rejuvenated and, and, and kind of like renewed right now that, hey, listen, I'm going to get back to being me and do what makes me good. And I think that his confidence is in a different place than it was a year ago. And, and I think that that's a reason to feel good about Zach Eflin. Yeah. Um, I, well, I was, I was – I was encouraged by his outing against the Yankees. Went four innings, only gave up four hits. Um, I think he struck out six. Is that correct? Five or six. Five or six. I forget what it was, but yeah. yeah. I think maybe it was five, but yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, I thought it was a a really nice outing. Short, but a good outing. Um, And and exactly, like I I had taken notice that he was down in the zone, down in the zone, down in the zone. It was very, again... You you know me. It's man, you know, pitching after my own heart, right? Kind of old school, um, and yeah, I I loved it. Like it was it was it was a nice start. Now I'm not going to take it and say, oh my god, we got another great pitcher in the rotation. But I did feel like at the end of last season there was something to like about Zach Eflin after he basically said, screw it, I'm not listening to you guys anymore. I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah, kind of liked his starts at that point. And it carries over to him pitching that way again in this first game against a very good lineup like, like the Yankees. Let's see what he does in his next couple starts. But you could be onto something here, Bob. The, the Phillies might actually have, have found something, a middle-of-the-rotation guy who can be reliable and trustworthy, and we know he can go longer in games. He, it's weird. Like, he's been bounced from games early, but he's also been a guy who's gone eight, nine innings a couple times for the Phillies. Yeah. So um, he's a guy that can maybe give you some length. Yeah, he actually had a couple complete games last year. Yeah. Uh, which a, I, he, if you have two complete games in 2019, that, that puts you, I believe, in the top five right. well, in that, the league. Well, that's what I'm saying. Games. So yeah. if he could give you some length, you avoid the bullpen. Yeah. <laughs> that's huge. For this, for this team, that's huge. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I – I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they how they handle the you know Velasquez Howard thing for the number five starter because maybe Velasquez is a guy who can give you a little something out of the bullpen that would be better than what's out there right now. So maybe you throw him into the mix. I think 
the last couple of, of outings for Nick Pavetta have been better in the bullpen. I mean, uh, you know, if you look at guys who've pitched okay. Yeah, he gave up two runs in uh, two innings of work on Thursday night. Yeah. Um, which, at this point, I'll take. <laughs> you know? I think, of, but I think his whip is below one. Yeah, no, he, he actually did throw the ball pretty well. I, I You know, he obviously had a, a mistake or two mixed in there. But, you know, he looked okay. And I, I just I, – you know what will be interesting to see here moving forward? And, again, with all the double headers, the Phillies are, are going to need, at a lot of times, a sixth arm. So – uh, you know, I guess there's going to be uh, plenty of weeks where both Vince Velasquez and Spencer Howard are starting for this team, but I'm very curious to see now moving forward what what Joe Girardi does, what this coaching staff does with this rotation. You know, they were asked, or Joe was specifically asked after the game today, after the second game, does he anticipate Vince Velasquez making his next start? And he said, well, yes, we do. We also haven't talked about it yet. And I don't know if that's to say that, well, you know, you know, once we actually really go through this, we're going to yank him out of there and we're going to put him in the bullpen. Um, I, I guess I'm, I am very curious to see what this rotation looks like. They want to go with a five-man rotation when they can. I don't know who makes that next start, you know, and if, if you want to just get into it briefly with Spencer Howard today, there was a lot to like, you know, he topped out, I believe a shade over 95 with his fastball, but he didn't get any swings or misses with his fastball or swings and misses with his fastball. I should say velocity deteriorated a little bit as the game went along. But again, we're talking about a kid that, that also hasn't consistently pitched in game action. You know, it's, it's one thing to, to say, Hey, I threw 85 pitches up in Lehigh against our, you know, our, our satellite crew, but you know, your first major league start, there's, you can't replicate that. You can't replicate the intensity, especially against the lineup like the Braves. But I thought overall Spencer Howard was okay. If I had to grade him, I guess I'd probably give him a C plus. I thought that he was a little bit better than okay. Uh, you know, obviously Ronald Acuna and, and Freddie Freeman just were nightmares for him today. But I really liked after he gave up, and I, and I know that this is actually kind of going to sound weird, but in the fifth inning, after he, he gave up, uh, I guess it was the home run to Acuna, he came back and he gave up a triple to Freddie Freeman. And so then there was a runner on third, Freeman's on third with one out, and he strikes out Marcelo Zunia. Mm-hmm. And it was to me, that was impressive because after the Acuna home run, that was like the, the line of demarcation for me where it was like, this is no longer really a good start. And things could have just kind of spiraled away from him at that point but he bared down and got that strikeout. Like I thought that that was impressive. Uh, I like, it's like little things like that, that I yeah. look for. And, and to I'll, me, like that says something about your mental makeup. And I'll tell you what, the home run that he gave up to Acuna wasn't a horrible pitch. It wasn't a great no, pitch. No, it wasn't a terrible pitch. It was off it a little a bit. Horrible pitch and yeah. Acuna, I thought it was a fly ball to right field. Yeah. It just kept going. I, I don't know how that went as far as it did. Says a lot about Acuna as a, as a hitter. How the yeah, power he's, he's a got. he's a future MVP is yeah. what it says. Yeah, and and then you look at I mean, and then you know Freeman gives up. I mean, it's a triple, but it probably shouldn't have been a triple. No, it should have been a double. Yeah, right. So I mean, it wasn't. You know, it was not a great pitch to Freddie Freeman. If, if that was a nine inning game, Freddie Freeman would have hit for the cycle today. Yeah, he sure would have. Because all he, he sure needed would've. was a single for the cycle. Um, yeah, no, I'm I. I I don't take anything more out of it or less out of it from today. I thought it was pretty typical for 
you know, a rookie making his first start in Major League Baseball. I mean, yeah, there's guys who have that special first game and, and they're like, oh, wow, you know, the, the, the Kerry Woods of the world and, and the yeah. like, you know, you know, they have those big first games, um, Mark Price. Um, but he is he was what most rookies are in their first game. And it wasn't it wasn't terrible. It wasn't good. It was just it just was. And that's OK. Ben Lively, I think, had a, a really good first start for the Phillies, actually. I think Ben Lively went like seven innings, yeah, one did. run. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I look yeah. at it though, and Kerry uh, <laughs> Wood, Ben Lively, it's all the same. Uh, yeah. The, the secondary pitches, I thought, at times were, and I use this word with caution, but there were glimpses of special, I thought, with, with some of the change-ups and some of the sliders specifically. Uh, fastball, I didn't think was there today, and it will be. And, and so I think that, like I said at the top, there are there there's reason to be optimistic about what you saw from Spencer Howard today. Um, that being said, I just want to kind of reassess here. We're getting towards the end of the show. Now that you've seen ten games from the Philadelphia Phillies, have you recalibrated your expectations? Like, where do we go from here? What do you see? Moving forward, is this they, they got the lineups got to improve? It's just got to. It, 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 the guys who are te- who are terrible right now are better than what they are right now. We know this. We know McCutcheon is better. We know Kingery is better. So these guys have to be better. And other than Real Muto, nobody's really outperforming what they normally do, right? So if, okay, maybe Real Muto regresses back to the mean. But guys like Harper and, and Gregorius um, and even, you know, Jay Bruce is probably a little bit ahead. Obviously, his batting average is higher than what it usually is. But, I mean, he's a productive player in, in general. Um, I, I think that, you know, they're going to just kind of stay what they are. So the offense has to get better. So I got to think that if the starting pitching remains solid and the offense gets better, that they'll, they'll get back on the plus side of the win column, right? But – the schedule is difficult. They play a lot of good teams. And I think that we said when we made our predictions, I, you know, thir- 32 was the number I think I came up with for, for the Phillies. I, I'm still kind of there. I'm still kind of there, although I'm teetering on knocking it down one or two back to 31 or 30. But I'll, I'll stick with 32 for right now. Uh, one of the things we haven't even talked about, Bob, is the, how they rescheduled all these games. I can't believe that there's going to be a seven-game series in Florida next month. It's going to be great. I can't wait for that. Seven-game series in Florida. You know the Phillies are going to ride into that with like a six-game winning streak and then lose like six out of seven in Miami, right? (laughs) I can't believe they have a seven-game series. You know that's coming. Well, you know what? You said it. The schedule's tough, and we've talked about that. This – you know, listen. Like, if we just take a second here and take a deep breath, Football fans in Philadelphia do this all the time. It's like, if this Eagles team is legit, they're going to show up this week. They got to do it. Like, this is the week. And, like, you remember, like, last football season when the Eagles played the Dolphins down in Miami. It's like, well, if this Eagles team is going to make the postseason, Carson Wentz is who we think he is. He's going to have to step up this week. What do they do? They go down to Miami and they lose, right? And then, sure enough, they come back and they win all the games at the end of the season. They win the NFC East. Great. So, 
I remember doing this last year with the Phillies. Like, if this Phillies team is going to be a playoff team, then this is the series that's going to decide it. And then things have a way of always just sort of working out where even if the team doesn't do what you need them or want them or expect them to do, it's not the end of the world. That being said, Phillies have three games at home against the Baltimore Orioles this week after they get through this Atlanta Who series. are playing well, by the playing way. playing well. Yeah, that's great. They, they suck. The Orioles are 7-7 seven and seven after 14 games. They have – I didn't think the Orioles were going to win 10 games this year. So, if, if, that's the, if that's the expectation, then the Orioles have been out of their mind. But this is not a good team. It is not a talented team. They have no business being 7-7. Seven and seven. The Phillies really should, with Aaron Nola on the mound, they've lost his last nine starts dating back to August 20th of last year. So, we're almost approaching a full calendar year now of the Phillies not winning Aaron Nola's starts, they should win tonight or Monday night, whenever you're listening to this, and they should absolutely take advantage of the Baltimore Orioles at home this week. They haven't had to travel. The Phillies have had the luxury of essentially being at Citizens Bank Park or in Philadelphia for the first two-plus weeks of this season. Everything should be in their favor for this, this series. And then beyond that, Here's one thing I've learned. The New York Mets, and I feel like this is going to end up on freezing cold takes because I'm sure the Mets are going to end up rattling off like 15 out of 17 at some point. The New York Mets were a team that I actually evaluated in the beginning of the season. I said, these guys might actually be pretty good. They suck. They can't play defense. The bullpen still stinks. They can't hit with runners in scoring position. They like if you think the Phillies have been unclutched through 10 games, if you've treated yourself to New York Mets baseball so far this season, they'll make you feel better about the Phillies. The team is terrible. So the Phillies have three games against the Orioles and three games against the Mets this week. You better make a move. And you're gonna have Aaron Noel throw twice. Like, you better make a move this week. Like, this can't be a three and four week. It can't even be a four and three week. It should be a, if, if you are this team that they think they are, you got to go five and two this week, starting with this Atlanta game to wrap up this, this wraparound series five and two. I'm not telling you they're going to, I'm not telling you you should bet on that. But if, if you're going to be a 32, 33 win team, and be in contention in the East and, you know, be a wild card contender and, and all of those things, then yeah, five and two is not unrealistic. No, but keep in mind, you are going to, you are going to face DeGrom, right? So okay. that's, that's, a, that's an automatic, uh-oh. Sure. You know what though? The Mets win for DeGrom like the Phillies win for Nola. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know, and I know DeGrom won today, and he actually didn't even really yeah. pitch all that well. I mean, his stat line was fine, but in, compared to what DeGrom usually give them, gives the Mets, he, he wasn't great today, and they finally won for him. But, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. Beating Jacob DeGrom is, is no easy task, but nothing's guaranteed with the Mets. <laughs> you know, no, I, just, I, I wonder, and I had this thought bef before we, we kind of wrap things up, it just sort of feels like you and I are having the same conversations that we had last season and the, and the season before. Mm -hmm. I just kind of feel like we're in 2012 Sixers territory here where you're like, 
yeah, there's some good players here, and like, yeah, they can win. But you know in your heart of hearts that this isn't a championship team. And and it doesn't it doesn't feel like they're a player away from being a championship team, you know? Like they don't feel to me like they have it. And I guess in your other show that you do with Russ, that team sort of feels like they have it right mm-hmm. now, the Flyers. You mm-hmm. know, there's just some X factor. There's just something about that team. When I when I've watched the Phillies for the last three years, at no point have I ever felt like they have it. And I don't feel like they have it this year either. No, they don't. There's no way. The bullpen's the death of them. The bullpen is the death. There's just even if this lineup turns it around and figures it out and the starting pitching continues to be good, they're gonna lose games because of the bullpen and that's and that's it. And it's gonna be the, it's gonna be the death of this team. Now, can they get themselves to be one of the top eight teams in the East? I mean, in the uh, National League? Um, I, I, they, you damn well hope they do, right? I mean, if you're not one of the top eight teams in the National League, that's an embarrassment, ultimately, in the end. Um, yeah. I, I mean, mean if, you look, if you look at things and, and how they stand right now, you have the – and listen, and, and hey, I got to – I tip my cap to you because you said, hey, listen, I, I like the, the Marlins a little bit, and I said you're nuts, and, and they've gotten off to a nice start. Now, obviously, they've lost their last two games. They're going to come back to earth a little bit. They're not a team that's going to win 70% of their games. They're just not. Um, but they've gotten off to a nice start. The Braves, I think, are the class of the East. But between the, the, the Mets and the Nationals and the Phillies, like, yeah, I don't know, that's a toss-up. I, I still think the Phillies could be the second-best team in the NL East. I, I, I don't think that that's a stretch to say it's a possibility. Then you look in the Central, and, and nobody's really impressing there except for the Cubs. The Brewers are under 500. The Reds were everybody's darling coming into the season. They were like the, the hot pick, the under-the-radar pick. They're 7-9 and nine right now. You go out west, you have the Rockies and Dodgers and Padres. You know, the west, the west is the issue for me. When I look at, like, can the Phillies be a, a top eight team? Maybe, but, but the west is a problem. I mean, I think the Padres are going to be a 32-33 win team. The Dodgers, I still think, are the best team in the National League, and the, and the Rockies have been somewhat surprising, you know? They're leading the west right now through 15 games, and I didn't, I didn't see that a couple weeks ago. No. Um... But, I mean, that's what I'm saying. When you really look at it, I mean, right now the Phillies are just on the outside through 10 games, right? They're just on the outside of this eight-team race. But when you look at who the eight, the, like the six, sixth, seventh, and eighth-place teams are, I mean, really, you got the three teams out west, you have the Cubs, and you have the Braves. They're, they're your top five. And if you include the Marlins, you know, you could say they're six, right? Because they're – but nobody else is over 500. Like no one, yeah. So I mean, it's 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 crazy to think that okay. So the Mets, the Reds, they're seven and nine, and you know technically, I guess they would be ahead of the Phillies, but <laughs> that's who you're competing with. Yep. If you can't if you can't beat out teams that are seven and nine, like that's 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 bad. That's bad. And it's you gotta you gotta consider some wholesale changes at that point. If you yep. can't get can't get into the top eight in this in this National League this year. Well, I will tell you, in the first game today, I went out after the fourth inning and I, I checked out the Fandemic crew. I don't know what your, your thoughts are on the Fandemic crew hanging out beyond them. the gates Love of them. Ashburn Alley, but 
Uh, you know, so I said, I got to go see these guys. I got to go see what it's all about. We were there against the Yankees this week, and you heard the air horns and the drum line and everything going on out there. So what the hell is this? And then you had Aaron Boone crying about the noise. And mm-hmm. I was like, these, these guys seem like it, this, got, this is a cool story. And Bob Brookover did something on them a couple days ago. And so I said, today I'm going to go out and visit them. So I have been DMing the, the, the ringleader of, of the pandemic crew. And I said, I'm coming out in a couple minutes. I'll, I'll see you. And they said, all right, great. Sounds good. And I show up out there and there's tons of people out there. It started as like a handful mm-hmm. of fans. They had like 30, 40 people out there. One guy rolled up. He didn't have a mask. They said, no, you can't come in here unless you have a mask. And he says, well, I don't have one. They said, well, here. And they gave the guy a mask. And so they're doing everything the right way out there. They had me up on the ladder. They, they let me go up on the one ladder. They gave me an air horn, so they were between innings. I shot the air horn off, had some fun with the pandemic crew today for, for an inning. Um, cool story, right? Or is this, this going to be like a Philly thing where, like, in two weeks from now we hate them? No, I think it's a great story. I, I don't know how we can hate this. And to me – Because people are miserable, and they just learn to hate everything. Yeah, they were but great. What, are gonna, what are you hating? They were great. They just seemed like cool people, too. They just all seemed like very nice people. This is a good group of people who missed baseball – who yeah. want to watch baseball yeah. and who are doing their own thing. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but, um, and, and, and they're, and they're having fun with it, right? They're not doing anything wrong. No, they've been awesome. Right. They're, they're having fun and more people are going to join them and it's going to get a little bit bigger and it's not going to get out of hand. It's going to just be pe- the people who care. And I think that it's a good thing. I, I love that you went out and hung out with them, Bob. I think it's, it was, it's, it's awesome. By far the highlight of the day. I will tell you that. I will definitely tell you that by far it was the highlight of the day. I have one other thing I want to touch on, not sure. Phillies related, but baseball related. Uh, and I think it's important to, to, to bring up. Did you see what went on with uh, Oakland and Houston? Yes, I did. I saw that there was quite the brawl today. No social distancing at the A's Astros game. <laughs> so suspensions are going to be coming down for this. Yeah, yeah. Um, does Major League Baseball finally sit there and say, we have to punish the Astros too? Otherwise, this is happening. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, the, the Astros are a scam. Uh, it has been... It, it is certainly revealing itself that way. Like, do you have you seen Jose Altuve's numbers? Terrible. He's <laughs> terrible. Awful. He made like three errors in the first inning of the game on Saturday. He is a mess right now. This, this team, listen, you know, I think that the Astros would have been an elite team over the past few seasons, even without all the bullshit that they've pulled. But mm-hmm. they're a team that that certainly to me feels like they know they messed up. It's in their head. They know they're getting – it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, they know that bad things are supposed to happen to them now, and those bad things are happening. And I, I think that Major League Baseball messed up with the Joe Kelly situation. I didn't think that that suspension should have been nearly as long as it was. Uh, though I don't support in general, like, by, by rule, I'm not a big, like, head-hunting guy. Like, I think that that's all kind of bullshit, I, you know, throwing up and in on guys. But, but the suspension that he was given, I thought, was insane. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, that, that team's a disgrace. They, they are a pockmark on the game. And I think that baseball needs to drop the hammer on them here. Yeah. Yeah. And especially since it's they, they're the ones who threw at Loriano. Yeah. 
Like, I mean, it's, it's one thing to sit there and say, okay, guys are going to throw at us because of what happened in 2017. But then to have the audacity yeah. to go and throw at a guy on the other team. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, like where you, you think you're – like it's, it's an injustice. Like, you know, we're being wrong. The Houston Astros, the sympathetic figure. Come Give on. me a break. Yeah, come it's, on. Yeah, no, I, I would expect Major League Baseball to come down on them. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see that they're struggling, and uh, I hope that they win 24 games this year. You know, I, I, that would be beautiful. Um, it, would be the, it would be justice – uh, being served, especially after Major League Baseball, I think let them get off the hook. You know, it was a. I, I don't like the way that the sport handled that situation, and uh, I love. You know, I I, I got to say this. I love the fact that the players are policing this, and I love that the, there are many players across the game. You know, and I'm sure that there's cheating and sign stealing and and certain advantages that that teams try to get but i think that players by and large know that there's a line and i think that they know that the astros were well beyond that line Mm -hmm. and i think it's great to see how disgusted they are with it yeah and i'm loving every minute of bregman springer and altuve just struggling the way that they are horrible yeah Yeah. Yeah, they're they're really strong the only person who i wish was struggling just as much as them is carlos correa right, yeah <laughs> but he's actually having a good year <laughs> yeah did you see on twitter how there's that account like the astro shame tour have yeah. you seen that twitter yes. account? that yes. account now has more followers than carlos correa does on twitter which it's is awesome. Just awesome it's awesome so that's uh like low-key one of the better things happening in baseball this year yep well uh, listen we talked for i don't know exactly what our runtime is here but a, roughly an hour 15 hour 20 minutes and we didn't really talk about the coronavirus. We didn't talk about labor negotiations. Uh, and so I'm really excited. So let's just wrap this up and get the hell out of here before. Yeah, before we, before we screw it up and do, it, do that, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, make sure that you're listening to all of the uh, Crossing Broadcast uh, Podcast Network, whatever the hell you want to call it, Russ Joy, Anthony Sanfilippo, Snow the Goalie. I know you guys are bringing back the uh, – Press row intermission, show. Yeah, the press row show during intermissions of Flyers games, which is very exciting. People love that. Flyers. I, I think like I might have gotten my daughter a car because of that. Really? Really? <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah, good. Use that to your advantage. That's <laughs> awesome. It looks like the Flyers might be onto something here. So at least over the next few weeks, it, it looks like you guys are going to have a lot of fun with that. Make sure that you're listening to Snow, uh, Snow the Goalie and uh, checking out the press row show. Uh, it's always soccer in Philadelphia with Kevin Kincaid. I believe it's the only other podcast currently running with any type of regularity, so make sure that you check that out as well. Also, be sure to listen or uh, leave us a five-star review uh, on Apple uh, Podcasts and uh, make sure that you're subscribing and, and following us really across any any platform or any uh, place that you get your shows. Uh, we've, we've really, I think, personally – kind of ramped this thing up in, in recent months, recent weeks. We've had a lot of success. We see that our numbers are going up, uh, and I'm very excited about that, obviously. Uh, so thank you for listening, and uh, we will be back with you uh, sometime later on this week. We're, we're on the two times per week uh, schedule right now, so uh, be sure to check us out then. And uh, once again, thanks for listening.